What's up, everyone? Merry Christmas. Very Merry Christmas to all of our listeners and readers at Go Long and a Happy New Year. We're in that that sweet spot between Christmas and New Year where some people are returning to work. Some people are easing back into work. We're trying to uh, to keep at it here at Go Long with, with several podcasts, stories. But Bob, I, I, I want to open with a, a sign of hope for humanity. It was a very, very nice site. Barnes & Noble has this crazy sale going on right now. I'm sure uh, our listeners and readers are, are aware because these are the people who enjoy to read and actually consume information and are curious about the world in which they live. Uh, it's 33% off. And I think it's like 44% if you're a Barnes & Noble member. But the the sign of hope for humanity was just seeing that place full of people buying books, willing to uh, to go beyond social media. It was awesome. We were just talking about it before we hit record. And it's just great to see that, that people want to read. Obviously, we would love it if you wanted to read The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. Uh, but I'm going to put out a like a book recommendation post here soon. There's just so many amazing football books and and really beyond football that I'd love to just kind of share with everybody. And in the comments section, feel free to let everybody know what books you like to read in 2023 and, and maybe what you're looking ahead to reading in 2024. So Bob, what what are you reading? Any Anything good lately? Have you uh, ventured on into Barnes and Noble to load on up? No, I have not. I didn't know about that. That's an, that's an annual sale on the day after Christmas, right? I think so. I, I think it's only a day or two. I'm not quite sure uh, logistically how, how long it lasts, but man, it was it was cool to see, right? Because you hear all the gloom and the doom and everybody tries to beat into your head that attention spans are dwindling and everybody's just scrolling around Instagram and X and Facebook and nobody nobody wants to read. And I would love to take those people and just show them that site at Barnes & Noble. It just throws that logic in the face. I see it here at Go Long. I mean, this has been this has really been a, a breakthrough year for us, Bob. People are subscribing. People are reading. People want to learn about football. I think they want to learn about the world in general, anything. And that's what's great about Substack, our platform. There's really a newsletter for anything you're looking for, and I encourage everybody to kind of surf around Substack. Definitely download the app and, and subscribe. Treat yourself to a newsletter or two uh, because there's a lot out there. Uh, but yeah, what what books have you been into lately? I got a couple for Christmas, Tyler. Um, I need to get back in the books. My biggest problem is <clears throat> I get the New York Times delivered to my driveway, the actual real paper, Monday through Friday, five-day-a-week subscription. And I spend so much time, I just find the reporting incredible, especially over in Ukraine and overseas and some stories that I just have no interest in. I'm drawn in by the way these guys report. And uh, it's just an unbelievable paper. I've done that for three years now. So I'm consumed. I spend too much time on that, like two hours a day, and it's too much. So I got to get to the books again, Tyler. Well, that's a good segue into a good political debate here, Bob. That's what the people really want. They don't want foot. Just kidding. <laughs> don't want to get you going, but that's uh, it's a good point. I'll, I'll you know, <clears throat> there's there's so many out there. Um, just finished Eric Kramer's book a second time. 
and we've got that Q&A up. I really can't <laughs> recommend it enough. The ultimate comeback, surviving a suicide attempt, conquering depression, living with a purpose. Um, Gary Myers, we, we talked to him about Once a Giant, his excellent book on the 86 Giants, but um, yeah, there's so many. Uh, Kent Babb's book behind me here, Across mm. the River, is, is so good. And, you know, I think Simon Sinek is, if you're looking for outside of sports, everything he puts out is excellent. Um, but I'm with you. Like, it's anytime you read a book, it's you just kind of get mad at yourself. Read anything. You just want to do it more. Yes. I know my wife. I mean, we, we love watching a good TV show. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be all, you know, high and mighty and snotty. Like, we do watch television. But I feel like lately, every show that we've kind of gotten into, not every show, but most of them, you end up disappointed that you just pissed away 10, 12 hours of your life. I'm trying to think what the latest one was. It was um, the fall of the house of Usher on Netflix. I just thought it was terrible. Hmm. Everybody. And maybe not everybody, maybe it was just Netflix really kind of spamming us. Um, yeah. I just, was, we finished it. I'm like, man, that's a lot of hours. I'll never get back in my life. And after that, I told Gina, <laughs> We're not watching a TV show for a long time. We're reading books before bed. But Good. when you have a couple kids, when they're four and two, it's like they go to bed at 738, and then you're just ready to collapse, especially this time of year with uh, <laughs> the marathon Christmas <laughs> events. Always time for some football. And with Jim Monas, we really went deep into the AFC. We'll come back to the NFC there. As always, the Tyne Bob Pod with Bob McGinn. Pro Football Hall of Fame writer, has covered this league since 1979. Nobody, he hates it when I shower him with praise, but I must. Nobody has Bob's eye when it comes to not just the Packers, but the entire NFL. So this podcast has been an absolute delight, Bob. We're going to get into what we usually get into, the NFC North and the Detroit Lions. It was pretty wild talking to Eric Kramer because he delivered their last playoff victory over uh, the Dallas Cowboys, like before the Cowboys dynasty really kicked in and they, they made it to the NFC championship. They, they lost to the Redskins. They're one game short, but you know, when they won that game that had ended like 30 years of futility. And now since that game, there's been another 30 years of futility. Dan Campbell and the gang are uh, moving in the right direction now. So we'll spend some time on the lions Think a big picture what this means for the organization. I know Bob can't wait to uh, get into his McGinn memory. Always a highlight of the show. But we've got to start with some news, Bob. There, there was some news in, in Town, USA, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Jair Alexander suspended. And not just suspended any old game. Suspended in the game of the year. They need to beat the Minnesota Vikings to keep their playoff hopes alive. And he is the player, theoretically, that you would have shadowing Justin Jefferson, arguably the best wide receiver, arguably the best non-quarterback in football on that side of the ball. It's, I mean, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're Green Bay, you're, you're extracting the difference maker in this game from the field. Go back to last year. Remember, they didn't have... Alexander moving around in week one and Jefferson feasted. Forget what his numbers were, like a buck fifty at least. And then in the second game, he did shadow him, and I think Jefferson had one catch. So say what you want about Jair Alexander when he's locked in as a cover corner, he is worth 
what is the richest contract at the cornerback position ever when he signed it. Unfortunately, that version of Jair Alexander has been fleeting due to injuries, due to, in this case, I suppose, self-destruction or maybe passivity as a player. You know, we've, we've referenced that inability to tackle Debo Samuel in the NFC Divisional Playoff round a few times on the show. Uh, but, Bob, uh, I'm kind of uh, dousing you with accolades as, as one of the best thinkers in football for a reason because y- you've been watching Alexander closely all season long. You, you zero in on him on the film. And look, there's, there's always a lot of different ways that you can uh, learn about a player. And uh, there's conversations with that player in a locker room. And they also say the film doesn't lie. And you're looking at the film in a way I don't think anybody really is. So what was your reaction? I guess start there. Your reaction to Green Bay, um, to spending Alexander. I mean, if, if, you, if you missed it, he just helped himself out to midfield with the captains before the uh, 33-30 nail-biting win over a two-win Carolina Panthers team. team. He, he wasn't a captain, but he's from the area he said, and just wanted to go out there and then nearly blew it, said that they wanted the defense to go out on the field instead of saying they wanted to defer to the second half. I mean, they're lucky that the officials gave him a second chance. That could have cost him the game. They didn't give Kadarius Tony a second chance against Buffalo. They don't, and they, you see one of those every game. Now these receivers are getting called for offside. You know, they've, it's kind of like the player in basketball who takes the ball out of the hoop and isn't fully out of bounds before throwing the ball back in bounds to redirect the other way. Well, I, I guess the NFL has decided we are going to pull people over going 34 and a 30 in terms of that. Uh, but they did give Jair Alexander uh, a second chance. And thankfully for Green Bay, they did, or else they might have lost to the Panthers. Holy hell, Bob, where do you start with this all? Well, you know, I didn't hear anything about the the coin toss until late yesterday afternoon. And with all the holidays, I didn't get around to watching that Carolina game until yesterday morning and early afternoon. So I was watching Alexander with his first game back after uh, missing six in a row with what shoulder injury. And I got so many notes on this guy's performance. Now this is before this coin toss, which I didn't know about. Or no, before the suspension, I knew about the coin toss. I didn't know about the suspension. His performance in this game, horrendous. I, I cannot believe he played as bad as he did in this game. And we'll get, get into the plays here. And then I see this suspension. I don't know. One thing I want to say, you know, suspend the guy. It was a two-paragraph announcement from the Packers. All right, suspend the guy. Announce that in the first paragraph. Conduct, conduct detrimental. Um, but then why does the statement from Gutekunst have to say that, yes, we fully expect him to learn from this as we move forward together. We look forward to welcoming him, welcoming him back next week as a valued member. All that's obvious. I mean, the guy's got a huge contract. They can't move the contract. Just don't entitle the guy. Just keep him in his place. Say you're suspended. Forget all this BS about welcoming him back and all this. Make the guy learn from this. 
don't put an arm around him already when you're the day you're suspending him. I just thought it was weak. It's typical of this general manager. Um, just cut and dry the guy, man. I mean, he's out of control right now. Tyler, do you want to go through his performance first here? And yes. after, I, after I read of the suspension, I went back to my 2018 draft stuff, and I read all 15 or 14 of those scout quotes. And I didn't have a whole lot of really in-depth comments on this guy. I'm really disappointed in myself. Um, I didn't think he's going to be a first-round pick, really. But anyway, there was only one in there that said he was somewhat had swagger, but they liked it. And the only other comment of anything about the things that we've seen from this guy is it was he's not the most physical player in the world. But other than that, there's nothing about his character, nothing about the kind of kid he was, nothing about being a teammate, nothing about that. So I can't comment about his days at Louisville. I just don't know. But what we've seen, you you uh, mentioned the Samuel non-tackle. And let's just look at the way this guy played in this game. Shoulder, back, whatever. If he's on the field, that means he's cleared by the medical staff, Pat McKenzie and the trainers. So if a guy's on the field, I'm not giving him any break for not hitting or not being physical because of old injuries. He's on the field. He's ready to play. That means he's not going to be in position to hurt himself. Right, Tyler? All right. Agreed. Agreed completely. So, all right, we're going to go in chronological order, and it gets worse as this game went along. Hmm. The gentle shove on the tight end tremble after a 30-yard game right down the seam. He could have delivered a blow. No, just a gentle little two-hand push. And that's the way this guy has always played the game. And it was just so exacerbated in this game. I wrote down here, I'm just calling him Mr. Me. He's just so into himself. His body language, the way he plays, he will not extend himself to help anybody. All right. You know, he made a nice breakup on an inside route to DJ Chark, the ex-Lion Jaguar. And right away, look at me, you know, bounces up. Look how great I am, chest sticking out. Um, That that five-yard reverse for a touchdown, he had a chance to deliver a blow as the guy was crossing the goal line. I mean, it wouldn't have been a roughing. No, he just just pushed – Pushed inside, basically stopped. Um, you know, he's playing right corner now, Tyler. In the first couple of years, he was a left corner. Now, Stokes is no physical machine over on the left side. But you put your right corner, your worst tackling player, if you have a choice, at right corner. Running games tend to go right-handed. They're right-handed. Well, they're trying to hide him, but Carolina wouldn't wouldn't allow that. But he didn't cover well. Um, he gets beat inside by Smith Marset, the guy from Iowa. Was he a free agent? I don't know. Gain of 18. Instant journeyman. He's been on like four teams in two years. Yeah. Um, poor tackle. He just tries a waist hug. Smith Marset gets an extra seven. But then he's an agitator. You know, a, a, a receiver or a running back can be down for like four, three or four seconds. And then he'll rip the ball out like he's, you know, a real tough guy. Uh, A bubble screen over in his way. They're going to throw bubbles to him, too, not over by the other side. They're going to him. He just gets Velcroed, and the gain is nine. I mean, if he fights the block, 
It might be a gain of five, but he doesn't care. Um, the tight end Sullivan, he's peeking in the backfield. He he gets burned by Sullivan, um, and then he caught up to the play, made a pass breakup on the thing because the ball was thrown late, and he acts like some it was some great play. The ball was just poorly thrown by Young. Um, again, after any player's down, any ball player, he likes to strut around outside the pile as if he made some big hit. Talk about a fake tough guy times 100. Um, the Hubbard touchdown. He could have drilled that guy as he went into the end zone again. Instead, he just kind of, you know, ho-hum shove, you know, obligatory. doesn't do anything. Um he gets beat by Adam Thielen on a shallow crosser for 16. Thielen beats him across the middle. They run another reverse at him. Gain a 12. He didn't even resist the block. One of the safeties had to come and make the play. Third and 12, they throw him in the shark for 17. That's the one play he made all day. He kept going after that ball, and he forced the fumble. It's the third force fumble of his six-year career. Got the ball out. It was a massive play. Third and two. He's playing too shallow over there. He comes up to the flat looking to make a play. The ball's thrown behind him, gaining 19. Just a elementary mistake. And then on that two-point play over on his side, showed absolutely no resistance at all. Just gets allows himself to get shoved in the backfield. Not only didn't he hit, but he didn't cover. Tyler, I really believe the, the Packers are better off, Justin Jefferson or not, with this guy out of the area, not in the bench area, not in the locker room, not on the team bus, not in the hotel, not on the flight. Put Valentine out there. At least he's going to battle. We saw him battle for the last month. Put Valentine out there. I'd rather play Valentine than this guy. This guy was pathetic in this game, Tyler. And 21.9196 million average, number one of the position. His cap number this year is 10.8. Next year it goes to 24.4. Missed 13 games in 2021 with a shoulder. Missed nine games this year with a back and a shoulder. Decides to play in Carolina because he's from Carolina. I mean, the whole thing is just terrible. You know, you pay a guy money, Tyler. And I can think of just dozens of scouts who always talked about that. You pay a guy and you never know how he's going to receive it, how he's going to perform after that. And I've never spoken to this player in my life, so I really feel at a disadvantage here. But this guy, I got to believe that this money has taken him to a whole nother level. He like thinks he's Deion Sanders, but Deion got paid and he kept playing. Now, he didn't hit, but he kept playing and challenging and challenging himself, going after receivers. This guy, he's not that good to begin with. And then the organization gives him all this cash. There's a lot better places to use this money than that. I'm done on this guy, Tyler. You have thoughts, right? Go, man. A devastating dissertation here from Bob McGinn that was – Full proof. I, I don't know how anybody can argue play to play to play how you're not getting the most out of 
a player you're you're paying a lot of money to look at the money that the Packers are basically pissing away here in Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari. Granted, these are all different situations with his knee. He's, I believe, the fourth highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is dead money. What is it, $40 million? It's a lot of money to a lot of players, giving you not a lot this year. So, again, not to bring everything back to Jordan Love, I, I think there's a lot going on around this young quarterback. Out of his control, no excuses, but to be at 7-8 and eight with the numbers he has, impressive. Okay, yeah. You know, but as, as you're kind of describing J.R. Alexander's game against the Panthers, Bob, you know what I was thinking of here is being a kid here in Western New York, watching those mid-90s Packer teams. Craig Newsom, Doug Evans. I know it was a different game. You could do a hell of a lot more defensive back than you can today. Can you see those guys ever loafing? Never. I don't remember Newsom. Lo- Man, he he probably had a fraction of Jair Alexander's like athleticism and raw talent. But you got a hell of a lot more out of a Craig Newsom and a Doug Evans than you got out of Jair Alexander right now. Um, even take it to, to to recent teams. Mike McKenzie, yeah, he wanted more money at one point, and that was a whole thing. that You covered it all with Mike Sherman. Um, he made plays. He stepped up. He battled. Al Harris, obviously. Tremont Williams, the, the ultimate pros, pro, undrafted, fought for every inch in the NFL. It just... It, it's a really it, it sends such a bad message to your team when you pay a guy like this and you're not getting much out of him when his effort is clearly low. Remember, he's ripping the offense earlier the season. Hey, I guess we got to score touchdowns on defense for us to win games, basically. Paraphrasing mm-hmm. here. Um mm-hmm. you know, kind of subtle shots at the offense, and he you know, he's hurt and then he returned because he's got Devontae Adams as a matchup, and then he's missing more time. Granted, injuries, it's hard to get inside of somebody's head. But he hasn't necessarily been trying to to play through it, maybe like those aforementioned corners would, which you pay somebody. I think that there is this understanding like we want to get the most out of you now. I think I do have a slight disagreement, though, I on the statement from Brian Gudikins. Um, yeah, it's that makes a lot of sense in terms of how you put it. Like, why would you feel the need to coddle him? Um, when you're trying to send send a statement to your team, you probably didn't need to to say that. To me, though, the actions speak loudly, and I think this is 100% the co- correct decision by the Green Bay Packers to suspend Jair Alexander for this. Let's not remember where this organization was just last year, the year before, when a certain star player named Aaron Rodgers had carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wanted, right? I mean, he's... Again, I don't want to go down the COVID road. Do whatever the hell you want with the vaccine. I don't care. But clearly, he wanted the world to think he was vaccinated, and he contract he gets COVID, secrets out, and it turns out he was doing all these press conferences without the mask as the Lamar Jacksons and the Carson Wentzes and the Kirk Cousins, you know, they weren't afraid to stand by their decision to not get vaccinated, and they took a lot of shit from a lot of people and then Aaron, he gets caught, and okay, I guess I'll go full heel on Pat McAfee and just rip away. It's as he's kind of walking through the hallways, doing whatever. That's just one example of the team letting Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wanted, bringing back Randall Cobb. You know, the Jets are doing it now. I don't, 
And, and, and by the way, his talent has dwindled. His athleticism has dwindled. He has not done anything in the offseason. And at no point did Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur really ball up a fist, slam the table, and say, enough's enough. You can't you can't do this. And that, I remember writing a column during that summer of 2021 when he was holding the team hostage and putting out there through allies that Brian Gutekunst needed to be fired to, for him to return. So I forget that. That wasn't necessarily denied. The GM needs to be fired for me to play football again. And this dragged on for months. And then Matt LaFleur's at a podium, kowtowing and being emotional and begging and pleading and just, oh, we need Aaron back. We, and I, I wrote then, like, you run the risk of sending a pretty terrible message to the other 52, in that case, 89 players in that locker room if you're just going to bend over backwards at every turn for a player. This is coming from somebody who is unabashedly pro player, too, and probably to a fault. But you got to draw a line somewhere. They never drew it with Aaron Rodgers. They're drawing one now with Jair Alexander. So, yeah, I get it. Nationally, you've got uh, Pat McAfee. Oh, here's a shock. Pat McAfee's taking a shot at the Packers management. I'll, I'll be damned. I wonder why that is. Here's what McAfee said, Bob. Quote, it's not a movie. This is real life right now for the Green Bay Packers, who are still very much in playoff contention. And he's got J.J. Watt on. And J.J. Watt, he says, this is great. So outlandish that I have respect for it in terms of Alexander just going out there for the coin toss. Quote, that is a big baller move. That's an alpha. He's like, hey, I got this. Having gone out for a lot of coin tosses, I'm trying to picture it. And there's A.J. Hawk right there, former Packer. He says, quote, doesn't a suspension seem like a lot, though? Darius Butler, he's on the show. Quote, there's too much on the line. Um, I mean, you've got... A lot of players, a lot of people, I'd, I'd say it's divided. I think a lot of, I, to the credit of a lot of Packer fans, um, from what I could gauge, um, they said this, this they, they believe this had to have been done. Like, you do need to remember this is a team, and you have standards. And as Leroy Butler said last offseason, right? That G, that, 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 that G that you see on the set helmet, that always is going to persevere through anything. So I get it. Maybe Gudekins didn't need to, you know... Um, hold Jair Alexander's proverbial hand through the court of public opinion. That w- this, this was a great opportunity for a one-sentence statement, if anything, to suspend him. Uh, but they did it. They did it, right? They, in, in the biggest game of the year. And uh, it, I think it does send a really good message. We'll see how much they miss him. You don't think they'll miss him much at all? You're, you're probably right. I mean, what has he really given you this year? Uh, Mr. Me. I think he, so did you just give him a nickname? Mr. Me, yeah. Mr. Me. <laughs> Look at me. He, all right. So, Tyler, um, can you imagine Jair Alexander? Oh, by the way, Wonderlick score of 18 on Alexander, okay? And I want to pass this along, interject this. Last week, we went through all those inside backers for Green Bay and around the league. I just I got this from a, uh, a guy in a league. I never had Bernardo Harris, and I love Bernardo. North Carolina made it as a free agent. I love the guy. I love talking to him. Man, you know, I covered him for seven, eight years, whatever it was. 21 for Bernardo. Coming out in 94. Guy sent me that. So uh, we got that. Um, all right, Tyler. I. What about Fred Alexander? Strickland? Can you imagine Alexander in Detroit? 
Come on. That locker room would spit him out. And his who they got back there? Sutton, he's the most steely professional. Jerry Jacobs, yeah, he's benched, but he hit people, anything that moved. Brian Branch will just drill people from the nickel. Uh, this Vildor guy, I've seen him now for a couple games. I saw him in the Bears. He's a hitter. Uh, even that little Dorsey guy they're playing, he really can't play, but he's tough. Come on. They don't they don't want Jair Alexander. The guy's a stiff. He's selfish. Ugh. That's you know, a, let me just jump in quick, Bob, because that's a point Mike Daniels made. Coming back to that conversation again. He said, you know, even back to his high school teams, onto the Iowa teams, he said, we'd have teams that maybe, especially in high school, didn't, didn't win a lot of games, but known as just tough. That element of tough, when you see it, you see it. When you know it, you know it. His point being that the Packers' defense, they never had that identity. And when you pay a Jair Alexander and then see what you've seen, it doesn't necessarily help reverse that identity. And they paid him after that Debo Samuel play, too. Remember, that was after they lost that game. Mm, yeah. I just, I don't see a whole lot of toughness and in Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, I didn't really see it. Ted Thompson, I mean, he's always worried about injuries, you know, all through the exhibit. Oh, my God, don't touch my people. Just, I never liked that message. Um, I saw it in Wolf. I saw it in Holmgren just going off on people in the practice field once a month or twice a month. Just going crazy, man. You know, not accepting anything. And Wolf, you know, cut your ass, if, you know, on Monday. Um, just a different deal. And then Bart Starr didn't have that. And Forrest Gregg was fake tough. And then Fani had none of that. So on and on. But this organization, they got to catch Detroit now. And they're behind. And I don't know if they have the right people in these prominent positions to uh, to catch the Lions. They're behind now. We'll see. That's where does Mark Murphy have that? Well, he's going to be gone soon. Yeah. Is that where the lack of, we always rip these owners for intervening and making rash decisions and Green Bay doesn't really have an owner. Is this a case where maybe if you did have one that did see this and did know the lines are going one direction and we're going this other in terms of the, uh, the DNA of, of your team. I'm probably yeah. not where you are right now, Bob. You know, I don't think they need necessarily need the mass upheaval. Um, I think that there's still a lot of good and big picture to take away from where the team is right now, but just um, big, big picture. Like the, does the lack of an owner hurt this team in that regard? No, no, that's a, that's a huge plus not to have an owner, Tyler. Bottom line. Yeah. There's some pluses. But there's a lot more minus. There's a lot more minuses when you got an owner. No, no, no. Um, I just think Green Bay right now, at head coach and general manager, by NFL standards, average, middle of the pack with those two guys. And we kind of know what they are, and how they operate. And I don't really see them getting beyond average. They're not below average. But they're not above average or, or good or great. I just see them in the middle somewhere. And that's where Green Bay is. Seven and eight. And this will if they have a losing season, it would be their third in six years, I believe. Yeah. 
I'm eager, though, to see what Brian Gudikins can do. We're seeing what LaFleur can do to an extent once the the Rodgers stench is completely fumigated, to use another Forrest Gregg term. Um, once they're off, he's off the books or close to off the books, once all the damage he did to the culture internally um, is, is kind of cleaned up, I mean, this is a step in the right direction, I think, to suspend Alexander. Once you can kind of really move off of him and build a team around Jordan Love, which I wrote on Tuesday, I mean, Love isn't the problem. If he is, he's pretty low on that list. You've got Joe Barry issues. You've got defensive issues. You've got linebacker intellect issues that you laid out last last week. Uh, You could use another tackle. You could use another weapon. You could use one or two running backs. They've got a long ways to go to catch Detroit. But I think I'm not as down on the GM and the coaches as you are. I think that they've they've faced some some obstacles that they they definitely weren't preparing for. Maybe maybe they should have been more prepared, right? Maybe you should know Bakhtiari might only play 55 snaps, especially when he's calling this a rebuilding season. On a podcast, not exactly what you want out of somebody you're paying that much money to. So they're not they're not faultless. I I just feel like we we could really judge them once they're able to move off of Rodgers. It was a mistake. I mean, as I've written ad nauseum, as we've broke down ad nauseum, it was a mistake to hang on to Aaron Rodgers as as long as they did for that last year for sure. Maybe even the year before that. When you could have, you can imagine where they'd be, Bob. Minimum three first-round picks, probably four if that's what Russell Wilson was fetching. And you don't have that money tied down on the Rodgers. That was that was a organizational failure. But I, I, I'm eager to see what they can do in an offseason when things loosen up a bit. In that general manager, I don't see a guy who's creative. I don't see a guy with vision. I don't see a guy with with high intellect, a la Ron Wolf, someone who I covered, you know, a Hall of Famer. I just don't see that. And uh, the drafting record, the veteran acquisition record, it's just all average. It's, it's the way he speaks. Uh, he, he inserts kind of in his, in his speech all the time, kind of, kind of, right? He'll, he'll make a statement and then say, right? I hate that. Make but, a but Bobby, he, draft, he drafted Jordan Love. I mean, he stuck his creative shit over time. You're, 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 you're pissing off Rod. That decision alone is creative. I mean, we can pick out here, there, and everywhere. But, I mean, over the six, seven years, I'm not impressed with his acquisition record. And the coach, I just think he's average. So, all right, Tyler, let's move on to the pack, okay? Let's dive into our positional. You ready? Triumphant victory. Nobody just waltzes into Charlotte and expects to emerge unscathed this 2023 season, Bob. <laughs> then you got Tim Bayaka-Batuka running. You got Lamar. So Lamar Lathan? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was a nasty linebacker. Kevin Green. Greg Lloyd had a cup of joe with the Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> what else was on those teams? It was nasty. Anthony Johnson with the visor at running back, Kerry Collins. 
Oh, wait. No, we're not talking about those Panthers. We're talking about a team that, uh, you know, just fired their head coach midseason and it's kind of wandering aimlessly. And they don't have a first-round pick next year. You know, they won't have the first overall pick because they sold the farm for Bryce Young. Yeah, that that's the team that you uh, escaped. So in the, the previous eight team. games, Carolina's largest output was 18 points. Are you kidding? Oh. 18, and they got 30 in this one. Okay. So Green Bay did not have Musgrave, Reed, or Watson. That's a drawback. That's a huge drawback. Their two best, well, you, nah, maybe two of their top three wideouts and their best, maybe the best tight end, Kraft, has shown so much he might be better than Musgrave. All right, so they're playing Bull Melton, the guy from Rutgers. He ran the reverse in lieu of Reed. Nice. Uh, I showed some feel for zones, made a nice low catch on third and 10. But then at the end, kind of showed no separation on a third and nine hook, broken up, no separation on a third and five fade, incomplete, punt, punt. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, man, he made a tough catch in traffic in his hands, taking a hard hit from the safety. Man, made a... Gained 18, seven-yard catch inside. He gains an extra 18 breaking tackles. Then he fumbled. All right, that's a downer. Um, touchdown, nice crisp route against uh, the Hill guy, Ty Hill, Troy Hill, the ex-Ram, five-yard touchdown. And then he made a great catch with the game on the line, third and four, 39 yards against Dante Jackson. Hell of a play. Hands all over him. Dean Blandino thought it was an incomplete pass. A challenge, play upheld, led to the victory for Green Bay. Uh, Wicks, 21-yard touchdown on third down. He broke that route off, seeing uh, Love extend. Hell of a play by a rookie. Man, he showed alertness and instinct. Um, Took a hit from Von Bell, a nasty, nasty old-fashioned safety. Lower chest, he's out. Don't know if he plays this week. Tight end, uh, Kraft. God, he's hurdling people for the second straight week. I mean, I advise him to knock that off. Made a tough catch on third and four of a high ball for eight. And then at the end, I don't know how love the guts of a burglar to throw that ball to him on third down in traffic. And then a gain of 21 was a hell of a play. Um, Go to the O-line, T. Okay. Um, you know, for the first game, they split time. Each had 33 snaps at right guard, John Runyon and Sean Ryan. 175, 176. It's hard to tell the difference. I think Ryan, he's got really broad shoulders and a big torso. Kind of like him. Runyon, we know what he is. He's okay. I just don't think Jenkins is playing that good, but I think Josh Myers is playing really well. He's come on the second half of his third year. He's a pretty good center. And he's following in the footsteps of of all their good centers. You know, Larry McCarron, Frank Winters, Mark, and uh, not Mark Cannon, Flanagan, Wells, Lindsley. They've had a bunch. And uh, he's really come on. The tackles, uh, Nijman did not play. It was all Rasheed Walker. You know, he and Tom were up against really good players. Uh, this is Derek Brown. That defense, Tyler, they ranked third in the league entering this game. 
Uh, excuse They're fifth in the league. Um, they got, I mean, they've had some production. Derek Brown is a beast, man. He's a pro bowler and one of the best in the business. At times, Walker got killed by him. He also gave up some walk back against Gross Matos, his former teammate at Penn State. Walker was just okay. Tom, you know, he got a lot of help against Brian Burns. Uh, running back chips, tight end chips, uh, the right guard fanning to him, you know, moving the line towards the right. Uh, he had some problems against Brown in the run game, but he was okay against Burns with all that help, and they survived the, they survived the outing. Let's go to the running running backs. Um, Aaron Jones had a fine game, T. I mean, he really did. He he had fresh legs. Let's see. He had 127, 6.0 on the ground. Caught a ball, so he had 135 yards from scrimmage. Very good performance. He broke tackles. He looked quick. Um, we know how much heart he has. He gave up a sack. I would give I would give him partial sack on that thing. He dropped a option route, but he really came out of the bell right away and played really good. Um, let me just say this. I was driving back from uh, from Green Bay, 540 miles over the top of Michigan on the when this game was being played. So I heard Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarron on the Packer radio network. Larrabee really gives a good picture, Tyler. Um, you know, I haven't heard those guys much over the years because I've been away now, can't receive it. And then all those years I was in the press box, never heard any of that. But Larravee, I then heard Dan Miller do quite a bit of the Lion game on their play-by-play network with Lomas Brown. And I must say this Packer tandem far better than the Lions, Miller and Brown. Larravee, he's not, he's not trying to be... He just gives a hell of a picture. I think he's really highly paid by NFL standards, and he deserves it. Um, The winning interception against the Vikings, Dan Miller's call, he never told me where Jefferson was. He never told me how the ball was thrown horribly by Mullins. Horribly, as I saw the replay, none of that came from Dan Miller. And then in the postgame show, the Lion people kept, you know, repeating this thing 10 times, saying how great the call was. The call was very frustrating for a listener in a car. Now let's go to Larry McCarron. Wow. Um, he said some things that I remembered then when I watched the tape. He's really good, Tyler. And he's got no benefit of replay when he says these things. These bad runs, it takes me 10 times to try to understand who failed on the play. Larry's on it 90% of the time. He's right. And he made some comments about defensive plays with Quay Walker and whatnot. He is really good. He's so much better than Lomas Brown, another offensive lineman, Pro Bowl guy, great player, as was Larry. So much better. Lomas Brown, you just hear, nice job, nice play, nice this. He's a great person. But as a listener, I don't hear much on the radio. And it was really fun in a car, really tuned into these games. I was going back and forth. But Larry's outstanding. And for what Larravee does, calling a game, terrific, terrific. 
Packer fans are blessed with those two guys. I, I'm so glad that you uh, took that detour because anytime I've, I've I've listened to Wayne and Larry, I see the same thing. See, hear the same thing. I mean, the way that they can really bring to life the game. It's it's almost better than watching the game itself sometimes, and it's rare. It's such a skill. I think there are play-by-play men out there who try too hard, right, to have a shtick or to have a one-liner or a nickname for a player. Um, I mean, here in Buffalo, I'd, I'd say the Bills, they miss John Murphy. He, he was fantastic. Um, his absence is felt, in my opinion. You know, then I'm, I'm a little biased in Cincinnati because Dan Horde, it's a, he's a Western New Yorker, and uh, every time I'm in Cincinnati, we end up talking. He's just a just a great person. I like Dan a lot. But anytime I hear his calls, I, I feel like he's in that Wayne vein. Like he's he's bringing to life um, this this Bengals team that has kind of risen from the ashes the last three three and a half seasons. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think as a kid, you know, when you get into sports writing, first I don't know if you were like this, Bob. First, I wanted to be a, a sports broadcaster. Like you want to be on ESPN, you want to be doing these games, and I can I can still remember being in. Hell, I was probably 13 years old, and uh, somebody gave me advice to to try to call my own game, like watch a game on your own and record it and like listen back. And I, I did it for a full, gosh, it was like the Houston Oilers maybe, or maybe it was early Tennessee Oilers, because I remember Eddie George was playing, and it was hard. <laughs> Granted, I was really young, but after that, I'm like, yeah, it's, this is a skill that you really do have to have to work at, similar to writing and then I just kind of went the writing direction, and I guess you have to do a little bit of everything today. But, man, it, it that takes years of experience and, and sharpening a voice. Similar to having a voice in in word, in written word, you really have to have a voice as a as a play caller to, to bring it to life without trying too hard. Man, that's a needle to thread, isn't it? You can't just be Rick Jenneret right away. You know, the, the legendary Sabres play-by-play man here. I mean, he is a legend in every sense of the word screaming top shelf where mama hides the cookies, right? You, you can't do that first day on the job. People will laugh at you. I mean, he he gained a following, gained respect. I think he, he replaced a legend himself. Um, it's it's hard. It's really hard. So, yes, Wayne Larravee, Larry McCarron, kudos. Yeah. All right, let's go to the QB. Um, so Carolina hadn't given up a 300-yard passer all year and only one 200-yard passer in the previous eight games. Love passed for 219 and got the win. Um, and, he, you know, I kind of forgot. He had played not real good in the last two defeats, right, Tyler? I can't quite remember. Well, I, I, I didn't think he was bad against Tampa Bay. I mean, Baker okay. Mayfield had a perfect passer the- rating. The Giants, he was bad, though. Yes, Giants, he was. And then he had the good streak for like three games before that. All right. So <clears throat> he's durable. He hasn't missed a snap all year. We've never seen the kid from Penn State. I mean, that's number one. He's there. He's got a great young body. He's willing to run. He gets down, though, on on uh, slides, which is that's going to help him over his career. <clears throat> so he's he's not brittle. I love it. Quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Liked it. Low incompletion on a screen. Throwback screen was covered. He just calmly tossed it away, you know. 
Uh, third and 10, pressure. Nice ball of Melton for 13. The touchdown on, on Wicks. He extends the play, steps through that pocket, threw a shot in the corner to Wicks. Great winning play. Hail Mary, the end of the half. You know, he had to get the ball 62 yards. He threw it from 38. He only got it 60, two yards short of the end zone. I mean, that's when you show your arm strength, and it only went 60. They ran a cross blitz with those two inside backers, kind of like the old Hank Bulla thing, Dick LeBeau, and he was a victim of it, and he gave up a sack on the play. Uh, He threw high in the flat to uh, Aaron Jones. All right, so game's tied at 30-30, 4.05 left. Starts on his 25 with one timeout. First two runs go nowhere. So now he's got, what, third and four. You know, the pass to Dobbs, I'm going to give Dobbs about 90% of the credit on the play. That ball was slightly underthrown on a slot up, but he had the guts to make the throw. I don't know what else was available, but he got it done, 39 yards. And then he hits Kraft on another third down, right, Tyler? That was a third down, I believe. Between those two defenders, I wouldn't have thrown that damn thing, (laughs) but he got it in there. And it won the game, 21 yards, and the game winner. And then um, they got, yeah, well, yeah, and that was the end of it. Okay. Uh, And Carlson made the kick, right, from 32 with 19 seconds left. So he got a game winner. He he had a game winner against two New Orleans early in the year, right, a game-winning drive. I don't think he's had any others. But this is going to help him. It's going to help the team. They beat a bad team with a massive crowd of Packer fans there at, what the hell is it, Bank of America Stadium. The the attendance, announced attendance, 70,000. Come on. How many do you think was there? 45 half Packer fans, just a guess. So that's it on the offense, Tyler. You got thoughts? Yeah, I think the Dontavian Wicks touchdown was a uh, mini breakthrough for Jordan Love because – First half of the season, at least the first half of the season, minimum, very basic plays called. He runs the play. If it's not there, maybe improvises a little bit, but was, wasn't really synced up with those receivers. How could he be their first and second year guys? I mean, this, this is what you lost in Aaron Rodgers, at least when he had Devontae Adams and Cobb when Cobb was still Cobb and all those guys like that, that second reaction, freelancing, running his own fast break game out there. I I was wondering watching this team, when would Jordan Love start to make those kind of plays? And it was subtle. It wasn't anything extreme, but that touchdown, I mean, he's kind of flushed right. And you see Wicks break off his route with perfect timing, find a little pocket there between two Carolina DBs and Love hit him. So if he can add that to his game, you know, not, not too much of it because that's what you see out of some young quarterbacks. It's, bailing too soon and also on that play it would have been really easy for him to bail on on the on the play in general and just run and just just take off upfield he and he didn't he knew he had a chance at a touchdown and he trusted wicks saw the same thing he did so i thought that was good and i know the caveats carolinas carolinas carolina but i thought there were a lot of plays like that you know there's the second half he's guys blitzing off the edge and, and that DB for Carolina, I can't remember who it was, timed it up so perfectly. It was like right before the snap is when he showed the blitz. And Love saw it, 
threw hot to Dobbs, breaks a tackle, big gain. Little things like that were little breakthrough moments, I think, for the for the quarterback. And we can't overlook the fact that we're talking about Dontavian Wicks and Bo Melton and Tyler Kraft, Romeo Dobbs. You know, Watson's out. Musgrave's out. Kind of back to that point earlier. Eager to see what they can do. Get a little bit more money. Get another full off season. Get a little healthier. Um, I, I think that love has been better than most expected. All right. So defense. Um, Carolina hadn't scored a touchdown in nine quarters. I just want to mention this. You know, Lafleur, Barry, whatever. They got a waste of timeout with five oh six left because they got twelve men on defense on the field. The challenge on that uh, early in the fourth, misguided, 30 points by Carolina the most all year. All right, so let's go to the, 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 the defensive front. Nobody really played good. I, Brooks, Clark, Wyatt, Slayton. Um, I mean, I got notes here, but just kind of hit or miss. You know, Carolina, Tyler, they were down to about their fourth string uh, right guard. Brady Christian, Christensen was the starter from BYU. He went on IR early. Austin Corbett, former starter in Cleveland, out for the year. Zavala, that huge guy from NC State, I remember him in the draft, out for the year. So they start a guy, a rookie free agent from North Dakota or North Dakota State, Nash Jensen at right guard. He's so bad, and I saw him just pissing the bed 11 snaps they bench his butt and they put in the old Raider Gabe Jackson I don't know when they acquired him had to be during the season and Gabe held up better but so when they made a few plays early Clark made one it was against Nash Jensen Uh, Preston Smith had a knockdown on a stunt against Jensen he was terrible all right Um, at the edge you know the Packers took Gary over Brian Burns in that 2019 draft. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't see Gary playing real well right right now. He's against Moten. We know him, the ex. Uh, I think he was with the – no. Yeah, he's been here in Carolina. Um, and Moten was a second-round pick in 17. He's an okay guy. I, Gary didn't do a whole lot against him. You know that 20-yard touchdown on the reverse? I mean, he Gary on a jet, he's, yeah. Gary still hasn't seen that thing, let alone Quay Walker. We'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> so, and when Gary Shades of to, uh, Eric Walden and Colin Kaepernick, right? That, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. The player not knowing where anything is. Uh, Ekwanu, the uh, top 10 pick in two years ago, played the left tackle. Gary didn't do much against him. Preston Smith, you know, he did some damage against tight ends. I mean, he had half a sack, and they put Ian Thomas over there. They just disrespected Preston Smith. And then he had a sack off the edge, primarily against the tight end Thomas, but then the guard Mays tried to fan out there, and he was late. Uh, He had a couple of uh, knockdowns, one against Jensen, one against Moten. (coughs) Excuse me. Preston Smith's been pretty quiet. And this was a better performance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lucas Van Ness, he really runs hard in pursuit, Tyler. Mm-hmm. He had a couple knockdowns. 
He's, I don't know. He just hasn't, he's had no breakthrough game. Very, he hasn't had a breakthrough moment. I expect more out of this first round pick. Okay. And then Enig Barre, fourth and two, made a great stop for minus three. He was unblocked. He flattened down. And then on that tying touchdown, when Young ran up in the pocket and threw, Enig Barre was too wide on his rush. Uh, I had no idea on that thing. So that's it on the front. You got any thoughts there, T? <clears throat> Whack-a-mole, right? Yeah. It's, they Something looks good, something looks bad. It's same story. And It wasn't good enough. No, it wasn't. All right, the inside backers. Um, on that 20-yard reverse, Quay Walker just did not see it. Took him right, took himself right out of the thing. Doesn't see it. He got a half a sack. How do you get it against Nash Jensen in his uh, ill-fated 11-play turn? Uh, Smith-Marset over on the sidelines. This is Walker. He doesn't think well on his feet. He takes that late, gratuitous push, knocks Smith-Marset down. The guy's two steps on the white. No flag. I mean, he got a huge break on the play. He's late on Thielen on that dig at the end for 17. That two-point conversion to tie the game at 30, you look at that. He is a step late. And, in fact, McDuffie, who's on the backside of that play, they're in a two-linebacker look. You know, scouts talk about an instinctive linebacker outrunning, getting to the ball before the uh, the guys on the play side can get there, and that's what happened. McDuffie and Walker maybe made it at about the exact same time trying to make that tackle on that little guy Blackshear. But McDuffie started, had a four-yard head start. All right, that's it on Quay Walker. McDuffie, God, he had a tremendous first quarter, Tyler. Oh, man. Fast flow, gain of one. Great read, hit, gain of one. Another hit, gain of one. Fourth and two, he's on that stop for minus three with Enigbari. And later he got a knockdown against Mays, roughing the passer. But McDuffie had a really good game. They didn't miss Campbell at all. Not one bit. I don't know why they go back to him if he's available. Just play McDuffie. Um, secondary. Okay, we're all done with Alexander. Let's go to Stokes. Um, third and five, he's in man against Thielen. Out of the slot, Thielen killed him for a gain of 15. The ball, a long ball's thrown out of bounds. Stokes poses to the crowd as if he made the play. This nonsense. You don't get away with that crap in Detroit. You don't see it. You see Kirby Joseph doing a little bit of stuff, but it's not swag. It's not intimidation. This Green Bay stuff from Stokes and Alexander is just meism, man. It's just Joe Barry can't handle it, obviously. The secondary coach can't handle it. It's just it's just bad look. It's just cheap football. All right. Stokes gives up two touchdown passes on the comeback, the last 14 points. Uh, 11-yard post to Chark. 10-yard extended man against Chark. Extended play. Yeah, he was close, but close isn't good enough. Both those balls. Bryce Young, his best game of the year probably, right? Yeah, he's picking these guys apart. All right, the safeties. Owens really played good in the beginning. Three nice, tight coverages. Um, 
Yeah, I like the way he played. Nixon, he was okay. Anthony Johnson, they start him over Rudy Ford. Ford only played seven snaps. Johnson, I don't – he's a rookie, but he doesn't look to be the answer right now. Missed tackle, first play of the game. Uh, another missed tackle. Penalty on a late hit. I don't think he played real good. Uh, let's just finish with the special teams, and you can make a comment on wherever you want. T. Uh, Carlson, another missed extra point. Yeah, the snap's a little high, but the laces were perfect. It shouldn't bother him. You're just looking at the ball. And the ball was down properly, and the laces were out. Should have made the thing. He hooked it to the left. What's he got? Four missed extra points now. He hit from 53, Ty. The kid came through. Every time he's out there, I think he's going to miss. And then from 32, <laughs> we won the game. He won it with 19 seconds left. Not the feeling you want out of a kicker. No, but uh, I don't know. I mean... This, you know, they drafted him. They're sticking with him. It's still shaky going into the end of the season. Special teams, again, there was problems. Van Ness roughing the punter, 15 yards, first down. Devontae Wyatt uh, laid off on the field goal block, penalty, erased it. Um, Nixon, man, I know how good he is on kickoffs, but I think he's an accident waiting to happen on punt returns. I don't trust his hands. Um, so that's it for Green Bay, Tyler. They win. That's about it. You don't think there'll be, uh, or you don't think there was a parade greeting them at Austin Straubel after this one? (laughs) I would think not. Hmm. Coming home from Carolina. (laughs) Coming home, greet them right there in the frigid conditions. (laughs) Cheese in hand, maybe a spotted cow or two. Yeah, not a celebratory occasion for the Packers. And I think, as always, our uh, exceptional, amazing readers and listeners put it perfectly in the game day chat. Uh, It was very lively in there as this 30 to 16 lead vanished nearly. Uh, I mean, they just ran out of timeouts. I mean, they had... 19 seconds, two 22-yard completions. They're a, a second or two away from spiking it and kicking it. It's it's amazing. And we'd probably need a whole other hour to have this conversation. But, you know, you really pinned a lot of the blame defensively on those inside backers last week, right? Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, those wonderlick scores. When you look at the context – of not just the best of the best, but as, as you put, just solid linebackers. They all have higher scores. And we, we have seen Brian Gutekinds really skew with athletic, uh, j- just the kind of players that are going to blow up a combine, blow up a workout over maybe intellect and and uh, work ethic and that kind of stuff that's a little harder to measure. But that, that's what Detroit has. That's what a lot of winning teams have. I don't know. I mean, I hope this doesn't seem lazy. I I still feel like if you get a different defensive coordinator, it could make all the world of a difference. These are the same issues that we've seen, not just earlier this season against Atlanta, you know, when they blow that fourth quarter lead against Desmond Ritter. They lose to Tommy DeVito, who's then benched for Tyrod Taylor. 
Again, Tommy Salami, Tommy Cutlets. He looked like the second coming. <laughs> Dual threat, Tommy DeVito. Baker Mayfield has a perfect passer rating. Um, go back to last season, right? Taylor Taylor Heineke lit this team up. Uh, who else, Bob? Um, just wrote about it here. I mean, it's it's one quarterback after another. Let's see. Yeah, Bailey Zappi. That's right. Bailey Zappi had himself a day. I don't know. I feel like a coordinator can give you that that identity of toughness or at least at least try to go that direction. The Browns were pretty terrible on defense last season. Joe Woods out. Jim Schwartz in. Possibly the best defense in football. Vic Fangio in Miami, I get it. A lot more talent on that side of the ball. They had their growing pains in September. Right now, their defense is peaking. For for all that we want to do, talk about Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, Tua, Raheem, that defense. I'm looking forward to Ravens-Dolphins. I think that's going to be a, a tough, hard-fought game. A coordinator can really make a difference. And Matt LaFleur worked with Joe Barry. Washington worked with him in LA. Did you hear what he said after this game, Bob? Mm-mm. Oh, he was asked about Joe Barry and kind of spun the blame to the offense. So the offense has to do a better job of not get letting their defense bleed out. Basically, I don't. Know, I get it. Maybe maybe behind closed doors he's fuming at Barry, but. Probably should have made let should have made a change last off season. Probably should have made a change earlier this season. It's too little, too late. Uh, they're they're going to have to do something this off season, and I think I think you start there, and then you look at personnel. So Tyler, I'm going to interject this. Okay, personally, I don't have trust in Lafleur hiring coaches. He starts with Mike Patton as his coordinator, right? Who had been under McCarthy. He's a pretty sharp guy, I think. Yes. <clears throat> he gets rid of him and he hires Joe Barry. Now let's look at special teams. He started with Sean Menenga. He had no business being hired. Where'd he come from? Vanderbilt or something? He'd been an assistant in the NFL. I talked to those scouting, those special teams coaches. Nice guy. No, you don't hire that. And then he promoted uh, the Drayton guy, uh, Maurice Drayton. And he fires him after a year. And then they give all the money in the world to Basaccia, who ranked 14th in the Goslin in his long career. But he's not been the answer either. He might have been a good head coach for a couple weeks in Oakland. So what? I don't – I mean, they could fire him too if they want. He hasn't done the job. I don't trust anything about what Lafleur does with his staff. So – Getting rid of Barry, yeah, but who? And I don't trust that. Um, one thing I want to just say, um, there was two things. Oh, we never mentioned this last week. You know, the average Wonderlick score for an NFL player is 19. At least it always was. And that was like, when I started doing this 35, 40 years ago, that's what it always was. Sometime I should go and see what it is now. I mean, I got thousands of scores. And... I don't think it's 19. I think it's like 20 or 21 now. So just to give you an indication, Walker's a nine, you know. All right. Um, 
And one thing about one more comment, we always got a Dan Campbell quote. So this was on Monday, Tuesday. And again, he's talking about what he wants on his, on his team. He said, doesn't mean you're getting a bunch of choir boys. That's not what we're talking about, but I just know there's a way to do it. And it's got to dash the production and the type of person we get, we bring in, they've got to be equals or, because I've seen it, I've lived it. I've seen it as a player and as a coach. And so we're very mindful of that. Now he's not completing his thoughts there, but you know what he's talking about, Tyler. We all do. He doesn't want choir boys, but he doesn't want me guys, man. And mm-hmm. Green Bay's got them. That's the differentiation right there. Yeah. They just won't do it. They're not going to do it. Yeah. All right. Let's go to D- let's go to the Lions, huh, Tyler? Let's do it. We'll shorten it up on the Lions. Um, um they won on the road. And we're going to get into the clinching of the division and what that means in the McGinn memories. But let's just look at this performance. Uh, the receiver, St. Brown, again, 14 targets, 12 catches, 106 and a touchdown. Played 78 of 79 snaps at wide receiver. Running these long routes and whatever. He, he's just an iron man. And he's been hurt and he just plays. Compare this to Jair Alexander. I mean, come on. Um. So he was terrific. Uh, no change on Reynolds, Raymond, Laporta. We know all that. Let's go to Williams because he's the guy who's changeable, ever-changing. All right, how did he play in this game? He played 46 snaps, caught five out of six targets for 43. He's getting a little better. He made a tough catch in traffic, middle of his own for 11. He made a really nice crisp hook route, just a basic turnaround, like a tight end Y stick for eight. He made a terrible block on Harrison Smith on third and two. The play gained one yard. Um, he's got a he's lined up way out on the right, and he's going to run a simple stop route. But Tyler, he steps out of bounds and catches the ball, but it's incomplete because he stepped out of bounds before the ball was thrown. Just poor sideline awareness, you know. I think he short armed the dig route in the fourth quarter. Uh, didn't like it. Uh, he does some talking, but immediately, yeah, he is a bit of a me guy. And I know they struggle with that. That's a player they took because of talent. And I think they're trying to, to meld him within the organization to bring him in. One time he was, uh, chirping at somebody and here comes Jonah Jackson, the big left guard. And he just comes over and he just gets a hold of the rookie of, of William's shoulders. And he just kind of, he doesn't want to embarrass the guy by shaking him, but he just holds him and he just calms the guy. And that's, that's as if Campbell was out there on the field himself. We know Campbell with his body language and facial expressions, he doesn't show people up. He, I think he does stuff like that behind closed doors. He's got to, man. But Jackson just kind of, He's part of this team, and he just kind of gets it, and he settles the yeah. settles the dickhead down for a second, you know, and he's all right. Um, all right, that's enough of the receivers. The old line, Tyler. Hell of a battle between Frank Ragnow and uh, Jordan Phillips. He was the guy who was on uh, Harrison Phillips. He was with the Bills, right? So you know Harrison, and he's had a really good year. 
And Ragnall, man, he's a good center. Uh, and they all just kind of, they're just kind of tough people. And they're one of the reasons this is the best running game in the, in the year, in the, in the league, 143 yards on the ground. And Minnesota is a hard team to run against. And they got the job done. Let's go to Goff. Um, three delay of game penalties in this game. Terrible. One at the end with 412 left. I mean, the thing was brutal. I got in here. He's such a glue guy. His expression never changes. He's so boring at the podium, but he's bright. But yet again, these three delays was a real problem. You know, Flores really tried to get after him. But that offensive line, you get a lot of one-on-ones against Flores because he schemes it. It's hard to double people because you don't know where they're coming. But yet that line really held up, and Goff had time to produce uh, how many points? 30. Uh, And the running game. So that combination, 46 snaps for Gibbs, 31 for Montgomery. Usually it's the other way around. So Gibbs, Tyler, um, how many yards? 100 from scrimmage, Montgomery 69. You know the way Harrison Smith will just come off the edge? You know, he's just a classic. You've seen it for 10 years. He just comes down late, and he goes in there in those run blitzes, and he screws the whole thing up, and he hits you for minus two, right? Well, early in that game, Harrison Smith, Gibbs gets the ball from from, uh, Goff. I mean, it's point blank, Tyler. Mm -hmm. And he makes a miss. I don't know what he got, 15, 20 yards. Just so quick in the jump cut. Helmet on the ball. He lost a fumble. Brutal. Uh, Can't have it. How many fumbles he got this year? He's got two. That's his first loss of the year. Um, 14-yard touchdown. Jumps out wide. People can't touch him when he gets wide. Um, Jonathan Vilma said – in terms of speed, and this is a guy Vilma would have played against, he brought up Chris Johnson of the Titans, right? Yeah, he yeah. ran, what, 419 or something? Fourth and one on the on the uh, Minnesota 29. They're down 21-17. Left tackle. He makes a move on Akleeb Evans, one of my tough guys, old school, Tyler. Gains 15 on fourth and one. Third and four, he breaks three tackles on a swing pass. And gains the first down by a yard, gain of five. Uh, he dropped a swing pass. Nothing about Montgomery. Um, and we did we covered golf, I think, yeah. So that's the offense, Tyler. Um, Flores has done a great job in Minnesota. And it wasn't a great performance by Detroit, but they won that game. Game they had to have. No. I have a big I have a big picture question for you, but yeah. I'll hold this question if you uh, want to keep rolling here, Bob. No. Oh, go ahead. Even though San Francisco lost to Baltimore, I think everybody's in agreement. That's the best team in the NFC. Philly is just – you never know what the hell you're going to get out of Philly. Boy, the officiating mm. was bad in that game. Brian Dable has every right to be pissed, as he was. Mm. Dallas, ugh. Another McCarthy swoon seems imminent this postseason. I'd be shocked if they just flip a switch. Who knows this this football season, but that defense really caved on that final drive. Can Detroit be the most likely team to give San Francisco a game? That 
I've kind of been there all season myself. Have believed in the Lions back to May and just how that roster has been constructed. They they went through a rough patch. Maybe they're not completely out of it defensively. I, I, I just feel like they're built to win in the playoffs. I don't know if they'll beat San Francisco, but I think out of all these teams that can go into Santa Clara and hang, I, I should use that, like hang in a in a shootout with the Niners, it's the Lions, because I, I don't think you just stop Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy isn't going to throw another four interceptions in a game, I don't, I don't think. Uh, but I think that the Lions could keep up and take advantage of some things. I think Ben Johnson and Campbell might might have a few tricks up the sleeve to to make them sweat a little bit in the playoffs. I and then elsewhere, I, I mean maybe the Rams. I mean McVay's familiar with Shanahan and Shanahan, and they're they're heating up at the right time. They won a Super Bowl two years ago for crying out loud. Uh, but I I, th- I still think I'm there. I, I still think I'm there with Detroit as the team. That, that could get to the Super Bowl, if not San Francisco. You. As you were speaking, I was studying the 49er depth chart, and I've seen them six, seven times this year. I watched this Raven game, not closely, but I watched it. You know, they didn't have Eric Armstead in this game, and they lost Trent Williams. Trent Williams is so damn good, Tyler. I can't keep my eyes off him. He's better than Tyron Smith, I think, ever was. He is incredible, this Trent Williams. He really is. This is one of this is Jonathan Ogden. This is Willie Rolf. This is one of the greats of all time. He really is. So I assume he'll be back. You know, the, the rest of their offensive line, can Detroit get after them? I don't think they have enough people to get after them. They could be improved by these three players we mentioned coming back, Gardner Johnson and uh, – the rusher you did the story on Houston. Um, all right. Purdy going out to uh, whatever it is out in Santa Clara against Jared Goff, huh, Tyler? Who's apt to play better in that game? I don't really know. Purdy was awful. Maybe not as awful as people think, but, and the Niner defense can put more pressure on the Lions than the Lion defense can put on the Niners. I know. Yeah, I'd take the Lion offensive line over the Niners, but still, they got so many pass rushers out there in in San Francisco. Yeah, I could see it. I'm curious how Detroit's going to play against Dallas Saturday night, you know? Yes. It's not that important for Dallas. They're kind of going to get that fifth slot in the playoffs, but it's certainly important for Detroit. They're on a short week. You got a long trip. We'll see what they got, you know? So let's look at the defense. Hutchinson really had a fine game here against the Vikings, but O'Neill didn't play the right tackle. So uh, Quisenberry, who's not a bad veteran, David Quisenberry, but I got him for six pressures. Now he doesn't get a sack. He never gets sacks. I don't know. He just can't get there for whatever reason, but he's got a million pressures. He leads the league. I don't even care about that sack count. The guy's had a hell of a year. He is so disciplined. He plays it by the book. Maybe that's why. He doesn't get cheap fall on sacks by taking chances. He's just disciplined and relentless. Other than that, what do they have, Tyler, without McNeil? They don't have enough. Mullins passed for how many yards? 
You kidding me? Four eleven, Tyler. Mm. For the great Southern Miss quarterback after Mister Brett Favre, I mean four eleven. They got nobody. The Tuak Juarez Harris is out of the picture. Irvin, uh, Bruce Irvin was inactive, I think, in this game, or he didn't do anything. No, he played, but he didn't do much. Um, no, he didn't play. He wasn't even up from the practice squad where he still is. So against the run, they were great. Minnesota, 11 carries for 17 yards. They can't beat Green Bay doing that kind of a performance. But you know O'Neal's going to play this week. They'll be better. Um, all right, let's look at the Lion linebackers. Anzalone's really good. Barnes did not play because of injury. Rodriguez is a tough kid. All right, that's it there. Campbell, he's just treading water right now. Let's look at that Lions secondary, T. So they've benched uh, they've benched Jacobs, and he's out of the picture. Where's my Lion depth chart? <laughs> All right. So I love I love Bob's mad dash. I I can't see it. I hear I hear papers moving, and I see hands motioning. I'm picturing you like Charlie Kelly at the uh, at the board in the mail room, figuring out Pepe Sylvia. That What's reference. That from? I was gonna say if you've never seen Christmas Vacation, there's no chance in hell oh. you've watched a second of Come All of a Sudden in Philadelphia. No, so I get ridiculed again, but I'll take an all T. I'm good. Hey. <laughs> hey, all right. side note, side note, real quick. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, obviously one of the best TV shows of all time. Freaking hilarious. I, Yeah, as much as we like to read books, I'd, I'd waste all day watching Always Sunny. But you know who got me into the show once upon a time? Here's a name for you. Ooh. I was an intern at the Shawano Leader and Pack Report that first <laughs> or second summer in college when I was out there living out of a hotel in Wisconsin. Johnny Quinn, Johnny Quinn, wide receiver. The uh, was it North Texas undrafted guy, and he got into like I want to say he became like a bobsledder, like an Olympian after football passed him by. But I did like a Q and A with him at one point, and he said the show asked him what his favorite show was, and he mentioned Always Sunny in Philadelphia. This would have been like oh six, oh seven, maybe. So, like, early Always Sunny Days, he was into it. Do you remember Johnny Quinn, Bob? Yeah, I can picture him on that practice field. I can picture him, but vaguely. I remember, you know, like you were a young guy then, Tyler. I remember guys from my first seasons of practice, 79, 80, 81. I remember those faces more than anybody in the last 20 years on that Green Bay practice field. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Quinn, 2014 U.S. bobsledding team, competed in uh, Sochi, Russia. He After Green Bay, he was there in 08, a little bit too. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> played, there, played there for a hot minute. Wow. Okay, sorry to fall down this Johnny Quinn rabbit hole, but yeah. Well, T, um, they gave up ten passes of twenty yards or more. Green Bay gave up nine. Right? We talked about that. Uh, was that against the Buccaneers? So they gave 
more to uh, this goofball Mullins than they gave to Baker Mayfield, who's a lot better player. And we thought the sky was falling then. So Green Bay gave up, or Detroit gave up 10. Look at the secondary. They've gone at uh, right corner from Jacobs to And then they started uh, Dorsey, free agent, a second-year free agent, then Vildor. So this week they went back to Dorsey as a starter. Tyler, he got out physical by Osborne. He's not a big guy, 47-yard bomb. Next play, play action. Osborne beat him a six-yard touchdown. Dan's not going to sit for it. Aaron Glenn, they're not going to just stand around. So he played 25 snaps. And then they went to Vildor, who – started for the bears for a couple of years and they put him on the street and now he's here. He made a couple of nice tackles. He had an illegal contact against uh, Addison. He made a good breakup in the end zone against Jefferson. I mean, it was a really good pickup by their pro part pro personnel department, but are you going into the playoffs? You going into Dallas Saturday night with Dorsey and or Vildor at right corner. You got a problem. Now, the pluses are the play of Melifanu, the new safety. Now, Gardner Johnson gets injured. Then they play Tracy Walker, the uh, reliable vet who's lost his ability, lost some of his ability from injury. And now they got Melifanu, who's drafted as a corner from where, Syracuse? Yeah. Yeah. And Melif- let's look at Melifanu's numbers here. All right, let's check him out. I forgot this. All right, Melifano is – God, I listed him under safety. 6'2 and a half, 208. He ran 4'5 flat. He was a third-round pick in 21. Now, his brother had been a bust, right, mm-hmm. with the Giants maybe, Tyler? Am I right about that? I'm not sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. 24, 24 on the test. He's a smart guy. He's a great athlete, 41 and a half. And 11-2 on the broad jump, arms 32 and a quarter. So he's got – and they play him at safety. They bench Walker. Man, what a stroke of genius. In December, you're going to play like Melifato. Tyler, he had two sacks in this game. He's got an ability to time. He's got an ability to beat the back if the back appears. He beat Chandler, the running back from the Vikings, on that first sack. Instant acceleration with timing, unblocked. He got another sack. He had a uh, P.I. against Jefferson. He had a nice breakup against Jefferson. And he had a late interception, which clinched the game. We'll get into that in a second. But Melifanu, now they got Gardner Johnson probably coming back this week. They're not benching Melifanu. They're not benching Kirby Joseph. They're not uh, benching De- uh, Branch and the uh, nickelback, Brian. So they're going to have to work Gardner-Johnson in in packages somehow, you know. But it's up to Aaron Glenn, and they're going to have to use use him because Gardner-Johnson means too much to this team. You could see that early in the year. Uh, Kirby Joseph. He's a live wire. He blew a coverage on the tight end, Oliver, on a 33-yard leak out. Terrible. He got an interception to Addison. He's a ball guy. 
third and eight. He made a tough catch. I mean, he just makes plays on the ball. He missed a tackle. He knocked out uh, TJ Hawkinson for the year, blown ACL, blown MCL, hit him right on the knee, fair tackle, all's fair in love and war. Terrible blow for the Vikings and Hawkinson. He won't even be back for who knows about next year now. This is mid-late December. ACL, MCL surgery, Tyler. Um, He can really track a ball, an overthrown ball. He made a nice interception. He got beat on a 50-50 ball by Jefferson for 27 yards. So Joseph's there. Branch was up and down in this game. And Sutton got killed by Jefferson, 29, 26, 29. I mean, we know what Sutton is. He's a disciplined guy who lacks big-time ability. And then let's look at the special teams. Badgley had an extra point blocked over there between the tight end Mitchell and Panay Sewell. Um, special teams have not been great. Fox had a great punt with 228 left. And then how did the game end? We'll just look at that game ender. They drive all the way down. They're at the Lion 30 with 58 seconds left and zero timeout. And we'll transition over to the Vikings. Uh, we got Mullins there, Tyler. He's got Jefferson at the two. For a winning touchdown, right? And did you see that ball? The wounded duck he threw? You yeah. saw it. Yeah. I mean, Tyler, you were a you were a QB. I was a QB. And when you try to overthrow, I mean, even when I didn't try to overthrow, but the ball just comes out of your hand weird and it's a terrible feeling when the ball's in flight, right, Tyler? And you're embarrassed as hell. He stepped up, he had time. He also had Powell, the little guy, number four, all alone in that left flat with nobody within 20 yards. The next defender was at the five on that side of the field. He's standing at the 25, five yards downfield with his hands over his head, raised. He could have made it down to the 15. They got all kinds of time. There's, what, 58 seconds, 48 seconds. Interception occurred at 48. All right, so he throws this horrible pass. And uh, Melifanu made him pay, and he made a catch off the corner of his ear hole. It was a hell of a play, and that finished the Vikings. So that's the end of the Lions. Um, all right, we sh- if you want to touch on the Vikes, we can. They can't run the ball. They lost Hawkinson. Um, they lost Addison. I don't know if he's playing this week. Mullins, are they going to start him or the rookie? Mullins throws a good ball, Tyler, but he had four picks. Defensively, they got Hicks back, which is huge, at inside backer. They lose DJ Wanham, their second-best pass rusher. He's having a quad surgery. He may not play next year. Blackman, the backup corner, injured shoulder. Don't know if he's playing. They got good special teams. That's it on the Vikings, T. As we record this, Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall were splitting quarterback snaps. Okay. Vikings practice. Yep. Wow. It's, uh, (laughs) I mean, watching Green Bay Tampa and how bad that game was, I I think I even threw in the chat, like, the season for the Green Bay Packers is effectively over. I mean, it, it just had that kind of demoralizing feel to it. They eke out the win against Carolina. You look at the state of the Vikings. That was a premature 
take in terms of the Packers season? I mean, they does Green Bay make the playoffs? Do they beat Minnesota, beat Chicago, get in? What percent chance do they have to make it if they win those two games, Tyler? You got that stuff. I haven't read any. Yeah, yeah. Just give me give me a hot minute if you want to filibuster here. Yeah, okay. Um, um so I I don't know. They got tiebreakers against New Orleans and against the Rams. They beat Rippian and uh whoever the running back was that day for the Rams. They right. did not beat Stafford and Kyron Williams. Um so I, I- I got to hear when you're ready. So Great. go ahead, T. Right now, Green Bay has a 29% chance to make the playoffs if they beat the Vikings. They've got a, this is all in the New York Times playoff simulator. They beat the Vikings. They've got a 60% chance to make the playoffs. If they win out, they've got a 95% chance oh, to make the really? playoffs. Really? Yeah. Really? 95% if they go 2-0 and here and finish 9-8 and to get into that upper 44%. That's an achievement, so, Tyler. Another cliche that should be shot into the sun. I can remember my high school football coach saying it, and it was a cliche then. They control their own destiny. <laughs> that, for, that 44%. The destiny. Is in their hands, as our coach used to say, with a fist in the air. It's in their right. hands. Beat the so, Vikes, right. led by a, a Mullins, Jaron Hall-led offense. Beat the Bears with nothing to play for. And that's at Lambeau Field, remember. And in all likelihood, you're in the playoffs if you're Green Bay. So if Viking fans are down on their club, are they going to sell their tickets to Packer backers? No. I. Uh... They sure. used to. They used to with the Metrodome, Tyler. Are they that down? Are they that out on this team? I think so. I mm. kind of do. Green Bay fans wouldn't be, but I think the Vike fans, they're not that rabid, Ty. There's going to be a big pack presence there uh, so- Sunday, I guess it is, or Monday. I don't know. That, that'll All help right. them. Well, it's going to make it interesting. That's why it's in that Sunday night slot. There's a lot on the line. You get to hear Chris Collinsworth break it down, as everybody does on a Sunday night. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's transition to the McGinn memory. And um, I want to just get to this Lion 29-year drought, Tyler. This will be the first one in 30, but it's a 29-year drought. But there have been other droughts in the – 56-year history of the NFC Central and the NFC North. No division play in 82, a strike-shortened season. So it started in 67 to 81, and then 83 to 23. I'm counting this year, okay? So there's been 56 titles decided. Who do you think's got the most, Tyler, of those 56 in this five-team division? The Bucks were in there for 25 years. Feels like it's a trick question because I want to say Green Bay. Who's got the most? Green Bay. No. The Vikes with Bud Grant, a little bit before your time, my friend. They won 
Oh, man. With Bud, they won 68, 69, 70, 71, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, and 80. That's a lot. That's 11 titles. The Pack, 21 for the Vikes, 17 for the Pack, 11 for the Bears, 4 for the Lions, and 3 for the Bucks. So, Super Bowls, Tyler. Four for Green Bay, two for the Bucks, one for the Bears, zero for the Vikings, and zero for the Lions. Droughts. There have been other droughts in this 56-year history. Yeah, the Lions lead at 29 years. That was just severed this year, right? But the Pack had one for 22 years, 72 to 95. The Bears had one for 17 years. End of Papa Bear and then into uh, Abe Gibran and Jim Dooley. Anyway, 17 years from 67 to 84 until Ditka came into power. The Bucks had one for 17 years. That's Ray Perkins and all those bad Buck teams. 17 years from 81 to 99 before Dungy came in, right? The Vikes? They've never known despair, really. Eight years, their longest drought after Bud from 80 to 89. That'd be uh, Ray Bo- I know. Who was that guy? I, oh, ah. oh, I can't think of him. He was a later coach in Tennessee. I can't think of him. Two years. He was so bad, Bud had to come back. 80 to 89. All right. So I did this all NFC Central and North team, Tyler. And this is the best way to look at this, I think. I did it with scouts from 94 to 2020. So 27 years, I had scouts from all these teams. A couple, only a couple times, personnel from the four teams did not help me on the anonymous poll. And I had to get somebody else from the NFC who had played the NFC North that year. But generally speaking, they, they could not vote for their own player. And, Tyler, to me, this is just chalk, man. This is the best way to know how good these players were in the division. And I'm just going to show you the, the plight of the Lions, how bad they were until now. From 94 to, 9, to 20, so those 27 years I did this, you could add up the total points, the total votes for all either four or five teams. The Lions never had the most points. Green Bay had the most points 12 times. The Vikings, nine. The Bears, four. The Bucks two. The Lions never had the best personnel. Just look how bad they were, Tyler. Executive of the year. I did this for 24 years. Martin Mayhew was co-winner, and he was the Lions' GM. You remember yeah. him? In 2010, 2011, he won it outright in 14, and Bob Quinn won it in 16. MVP, I did that vote for 21 years. One outright winner, Calvin Johnson in 2013. Coach of the year, did that for 25 years. Jim Schwartz won a co-title in 11. Jim Caldwell won it in 14 and a co in 16. Um, playoff year, you know, Tyler, You maybe you don't know, but from 52 to 57, so that's when I was born until uh, I was five, six years old. 
They won three NFL titles in six years and were a runner-up in a fourth. They were a juggernaut. Since then, they've made the playoffs 12 times. They've won one victory. That's when they beat Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys in 91. And then Jimmy won two Super Bowls the next two years. First time I remember them being in the playoffs was my senior year in high school. And I remember watching this game. 1970, they played the Cowboys and they lost five to nothing. (laughs) Five to nothing. So let me just mention a couple other things. They've had 15 coaches during this uh, 57 year history of uh, divisional play. Five of them got cashiered in the middle of a season. Rick Forzano, Daryl Rogers, Bobby Ross, Steve Mariucci, Matt Patricia. Um, And then every year, Tyler, after I conducted the vote, well, you know, too, Dave Burkett pointed this out of the free press Mm -hmm. this week. In 2016, they were two games ahead with three to play and lost the division to Green Bay. So I saved all my transcripts, Tyler, since 09 of all those interviews. And at the end of the interview, after doing the team, I would always talk to these guys about what's the state of the division. And they would talk about all four teams, you know. Well, when the Lions were, as we know, 0-16 and in 08 under Mr. Marinelli, here's one guy, what he said about that 0-16 and team. And these interviews were always conducted a few days before the final regular season game. And then we would run the team in the JS uh, or at Bob McGinn football or at the athletic um, on that day of the final regular season game. But here's one guy said um, of the Lions, Detroit's Humpty Dumpty. They fell off the wall. They need to be fixed. They're going to be 0-16 and for the first time in the history of the NFL. Detroit is a disaster. They're starting from scratch. And then I got all these comments from people, Tyler. And I'll just give you a couple here. Um, Let's look what this guy said in 2011 of Detroit. This is a scout from within the division. They know the division cold. Um, Oh, that one's no good. Let's just, let's not bore the listeners, but let's go to one in 2014. When they kind of had it going, and he said, I think the decision to fire Schwartz and hire Caldwell had brought direction, more more of a calm plan, a logical way to approach things. It settled some things down. So, Tyler, they had good cha- good times under, some, under Jim Schwartz, yeah. under Jim Caldwell, you know? It all looked pretty good. But then the Patricia thing was a disaster. And let's go to the last comment here, Tyler was made on December 30, 2020. So that's, they didn't know if they were going to fire Patricia. No, Patricia was gone. Bevel was the interim coach. They didn't know if they were going to fire Quinn. I'm not sure. And here's what this guy said. This is before they hired Dan Campbell, and before they hired Brad Holmes, but they had brought in Chris Spielman to kind of run that search. The Ford family had done that. And he said, it has been 27 years since they won the division. They've always been in playing in a division that had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. There haven't been many teams in the, in the division that have won over that time. Can it change? Yes. It can change based on who they hire to lead that organization. 
And that was it. They made the right hire. Um, Spielman helped. Um, Sheila Hamp, uh, the daughter of William Clay Ford, she helped certainly. Um, maybe uh, Wood, the uh, the president, Rod Wood, maybe he helped. But they got it right with Brad Holmes. They got it right with Dan Campbell. Credit those people. And now they've won their first division in 30 years, you know. Um, and now people are going to have to look at them. They got, they got a lot of young personnel. They had a great draft this year. Um, they're not a super team. They don't have Favre. They don't have Rodgers, the QB, that have dominated this division over the years. They don't have a – well, okay. They don't have a Randy Moss, guys who have dominated division. But they're good, and that's where the division is right now. Love the rundown. And, and you know what thought crossed my mind, Bob? I had to pull it up, pull up the list here. Just the type of coach. And you see this with a lot of teams. We, we really got into it with the McDermott problem series and why they kind of went to order and discipline to the extreme when it was anything but with Rex Ryan, when it was such a circus. You kind of see that pendulum swinging through all the years with the Lions, don't you? From, I mean, you could really go back decades, but. Marinelli to Schwartz, you know, Mar- I think we probably have both had conversations with Marinelli over the years. He's not necessarily yeah. an iron fist type of coach. Sh- Schwartz is, is gnarly in temperament and personality. He he wanted his team, especially that defense playing a certain way. And then you swinged it with Jim Caldwell, who is like you said, calm, measured, that that very Tony Dungy like coaching style. Um, I, I haven't really been around Caldwell a ton, so it's more secondhand. I mean, you probably have more insight than me. But then you go to Matt Patricia, who is almost a caricature of himself on the practice field, running guys into the dirt, pissed <laughs> off so many players. I mean, they loved him in the hallways. They thought he was a nice guy, nice person. That proverbial get a beer with human being. And then they loathed him once practice began. And then Dan Campbell, it's like everybody wanted to make him out to be a caricature with that introductory press conference. It was crazy to see how that was received nationally. He, so far, seems like such a perfect mix of different types of coaches. You can't really put him into a box because guys want to run through a wall for him. He is player first, player friendly. At the same time, he holds guys accountable. Right, he'll bench players. He's unafraid to bench an un- un- underperforming player, unafraid to cut a player. Um, that's just kind of unspoken that you better do your job here. Right, that do your job thing that Matt Patricia tried to bring in. He he has that same type of um, pressure, but it comes from a good place. Like guys, guys get him by and large. They they want to play for him. So I think they're set up to win for a long, long time. And maybe this is the beginning of a, of a run in Detroit, especially in the division and, and more. What do you say, Bob? Should we uh, yeah. shut her down? No Super Bowls, four division titles compared to 21 and 17 for the Vikes in the pack. Huh? Unbelievable. I mean, these, these fans are crazy over here right now, Tyler. They are, they've been frenzied all year. They want this, man. We'll see. They got to go to Dallas. They might get their doors blown off. They might. They might. They, they've got a lot to 
play for still. I, I would think you want to, both teams want to look their best, feel their best this time of year. I mean, McCarthy, go back to, was it 09 that they played their starters against Arizona because they wanted to uh, stay hot. Now they lost that playoff game. And then the next year, obviously they're the team. Nobody wants to face. They get into the playoffs. That's why Chicago still tried to win that game in the finale. They won green Bay in the, in the tournament and green Bay wins a super bowl as a wild card team. Then the next year, 15 and one, but they rest Rogers in the finale. They have the bye week and they don't look that great in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you still, regardless of seeding, regardless of how it fits in to the 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 brackets, uh, you 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 want to be playing really well right now. The Chiefs sure as hell aren't. The Lions might be finding themselves at the right time. There's team to team, week to week, so much changes. I, I think that this game does have a lot on the line. Just just to be in that right frame of mind into the games that really matter here. Okay. Probably time to uh, assist with naps here, Bob. Uh, <laughs> for the kids, not myself. We'll uh, we'll get this podcast up ASAP. In addition to the uh, the Eric Kramer podcast, it's live, as well as the uh, the written Q and A. You can get that. I'll have a Friday feature up on Friday, and a lot more coming at Go Long. So, Bob, thank you so much for all of the time here on the podcast. Always a treat for our subscribers. As always, we are completely powered by you. If you want to share Go Long with a friend, you can gift a subscription. That's the best way to do it. Or share this however you can. A lot of people, Bob, have been sharing Go Long subscriptions for Christmas. It's awesome to see. That's how we're going to grow. You know, it's Great. not corporations, not ads, not sponsorship, any of that. It's uh, reader driven, first and foremost. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Bob. We'll see you next week. Thanks, T. Happy holidays.